For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller-Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Good evening. Welcome to today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. Good evening, Josh. Hello, Dan. Happy New Year. Can we no, stop saying that in emails already? Late. Thank I you. I think we okay, can stop great. it. It's too late. It's done. I stopped after January 3rd. Is that uh, How long are we supposed to keep this on, the Happy New Year? I think January 15th yeah? is the official is that the date. business etiquette? I think, music? you know, how close or yeah. how not close are you to the person you're talking to, the, go with that. Fair enough. That that's that was uh, my first question of the evening was when can the I stop saying one, Happy the New Year to clients? <laughs> no, does anyone really care about it? I, I think we just move on. You know. uh, I think it's I think it becomes it's it's like starting an email with hope all is well. Right. How many times do you see hope all is well or write hope all is well? Do you really hope all is well or is it just like a dear Dan, you know, and that's the first line that goes? You know, this is an ongoing debate in public relations, and we can start with that as an aside on email etiquette. We, uh, there, there are two camps in PR. There's the hope you're well camp. And the just get to the point camp. You can imagine what camp I'm in. <laughs> I've right. had this argument with colleagues all the time. You don't, you don't care how they are. No one cares. No one really. But I mean, you do hope that they're well. But, but you're in a service yeah. business and you got to play the game sometimes. Especially if you're dealing with journalists, you have to get to the point and they don't have a lot of time for pleasantries. Anyway. Know your audience. At yeah. the end of the day, it's know your audience. So welcome back. How was, uh, how was your vacation? Uh, vacation was okay. We uh, Part vacation was moving because our office is now uh, one floor up. We moved whole locations and, mm-hmm. and really it's a great atmosphere and it's open and it's, uh, it's bright and it's fresh. And uh, and definitely one of the you know we we've been talking a lot about uh, you know from human you know the whole show is going to be about human resources because we have Mind HR uh, at the end of the the show we'll have our segment on uh, specifically on recruitment some do's and don'ts uh, with with our our people and culture advisor Natalie Perkhart and we've been you know because of our move and the complete change of configuration we've been in our office for 27 years so it was really dated it was it was closed in spaces it just wasn't uh, open enough and there's arguments to say that open concepts aren't necessarily the best either uh, other than from a cost standpoint uh, but certainly the the workplace is definitely changing it has been evolving for many years so that's something that that I know is important to us and we're going to address it in a, in a in a few weeks but we're also doing a full a full day workshop uh, if you go to tomorrow's workplace today.ca, you'll, you'll see, uh, you'll go in February 21st. We're doing a whole, because it's so important and we're going to talk about recruitment and to recruit people. You really, it's no more about the candidate selling them. It's about the employer selling to the candidate. Mm-hmm. So we'll, we'll, we'll attack, we'll attack all that a little later. Yeah. That's interesting, especially given the, the labor shortage here in Quebec. I mean, employers have to work a, a little bit harder to, to recruit those, uh, those workers. So we'll talk about that on the show. And our guest is in the field, Jessica Glazer of Mind HR. Now taking us back to September, we were celebrating our 10th anniversary and we put out this contest. Um, we wanted to someone to nominate an entrepreneur. And so uh, we had a lot of people apply and Jessica was the one who, uh, who took it. So when she started her business 15 years ago, and then a few short moments, we're going to have her profile on. And then Natalie Perkhart, HR advisor at FL on uh, on recruiting challenges. So it's all about HR 
on today's Entrepreneur this evening. But as usual, we'll start with some uh, entrepreneurial news and notes. And Element AI continues making waves here in Quebec. Uh, this is among a group of companies that are based in Montreal dealing with uh, AI, artificial intelligence. And uh, they're being written up in a lot of papers. Um, they are becoming a bit more public in their activities. They are. And, you know, they've, they've raised over $100 million for from their investment campaigns and their, and their venture capital. And really the point of this uh, was to start off the year saying, Hey, everybody. Hey, listener. AI is here. It is here. It is going to affect so many aspects of so many different businesses. This is not just about gaming. This is about the, you know, anything that is predictable, anything that you're going to offer online that you're going to or analyze as part of your business that can be predictable, that can that can move, that can understand writing, can understand blocks of information. This is happening. If you can get access, you can improve your business. You can reach your customer. AI, we, we talk about it a lot. Montreal is definitely an AI hub. Uh, it's definitely a tech hub, but certainly from an AI aspect. And uh, and this is this is just the beginning. So you want to talk trends for, you know, it was a trend for 2018. It's, it continues to be a trend for 2019. I'm sure it'll continue to be a trend for 2020. AI is here. Find a way to make use of it. Yeah, it's uh, it's certainly here for a while. And speaking of technology, social media and this story, uh, looking ahead to 2019 from the Financial Post, five trends that will change how businesses use social media in 2019. And uh, the first one, Josh, I think is interesting, is, is real is back. So uh, a sense that uh, perhaps um, there's a, a bit more uh, emphasis on authenticity in the way you use social media. I, I Actually, I think it never really should have left. But I believe there was so much desire to be flash and to get somebody to attract that it lost some of its reality uh, notwithstanding all the reality programs that are out there the the social media post lost some of its reality and there's no there's no replacement for being genuine that's gonna that's gonna be out there and that's gonna show you listen you see it in all the stories that people are posting and that too uh, you know the People, individuals are posting stories, but companies are posting stories, uh, and that too is uh, is something that's that's hugely important. And that you can you can really uh, you can really display yourself. You can really show who you are. You can really just be regular because it's not about a ten thousand dollar video production. Mm -hmm. It's just showing who you are and what you what you offer. Yeah, I, I, we we were talking about this uh, a year or two ago um, during the whole Donald Trump thing. You know, there's a certain effect that he's had on social media where shock value and and provocation doesn't become as effective as was as it was a few years ago. So it's it's yeah, and uh, I would add to that that uh, that I think we're back in social media to content is king, right? If you if you if you don't have that genuine contact, you know, a blog in your voice, a video, or a, perhaps even a podcast, uh, then you're not connecting with your audience in the best way that you can. I think content will will always be king. It's the type of content that it is. And and really, I come back to being genuine. And it really applies everywhere. You know, if you, you got to be genuine with your candidates when you interview them. We'll talk about that later. you got to be genuine in, in your message to your ultimate customers, to your suppliers. This is, this is where people will connect with you. This is where people will find the reason why they want to deal with you. And from Inc.com, uh, some personal branding trends uh, looking ahead to 2019. Yeah, there were, um, you know, the, and these are also, you know, so many things that, that you, you really think of and that apply often, but there's a few that really stand out. One, don't, don't count out Twitter. I, I'm, I've had this debate with many people, you know, Twitter, not everybody loves Twitter. It's a great 
for newsfeed. It's not for everybody. Uh, Inc.com says don't count out Twitter. I can't say it's something that I use very often, but I'm sure, Dan, in, in your business, in TNCAR, you, you definitely use it to some degree. I share on Twitter almost daily because that's, that's the space for, for me, for media professionals, so for journalists and PR. Uh, if you're selling products, I'm not sure Twitter is the best thing. Um, another staple in, in these lists is LinkedIn and, and looking to LinkedIn for, for business development in particular. LinkedIn. Focus on LinkedIn. I absolutely, absolutely, you, you cannot ignore LinkedIn. LinkedIn, I don't want to say is the, is the more legitimate of the platforms, but I'm going to say it's the more legitimate of the platforms. It's really, it's very business oriented, uh, but use LinkedIn, write on LinkedIn, post on LinkedIn, show yourself on LinkedIn, share your stories on LinkedIn. It's a, it's a great, great networking tool. Uh, this one you're going to like, Dan. Pump the brakes on Facebook. Yeah. Uh, you, you, I've you been know, saying I could wind, wind you up and let you go. Uh, what are your thoughts? Pump the brakes, brakes on Facebook. What would you say? I mean, we've talked about this, for, for again, for a couple of years, and, and this is part of what I've blogged about on my website, uh, part of the, the fallout from Trump and the way that he's helped to shape uh, advertising in particular on social networks. So w- once you invest a certain amount and, and flood the system with uh, so much content, you squeeze everyone else out. So that's kind of what's happening on Facebook right now now is the little guys being squeezed out. So if you have a small, medium-sized business and you're not paying for Facebook on a regular basis, you're not really going anywhere uh, fast, um, certainly not compared to what we were seeing a couple years ago. That doesn't mean that you need to divest from Facebook. It's a good idea to have a presence and to do some sharing, but you know, the, I, I still see people spending two, 3000 bucks a month just on Facebook alone, and uh, if not more, and, and that, I say, is, is a lot for it's, small it's, businesses. It's still, it's still a platform that's very very robust for targeted advertising. So if you're able to do that and it's the right bang for the buck for you, then it's okay. And then the last quick point is just continue. Your website is still hugely important and email newsletters. You know, mm-hmm. as, as long as you don't bombard, email newsletters uh, can be very useful. For sure. Uh, and you do want a page, by the way, on every social social network if you're an entrepreneur just to create that SEO value so that people can search you and have another way to get to your website. Um, but that being said, yes, I do I do caution people on overposting. So these are trends uh, that uh, probably already, again, started in 2018 but definitely continue very strong 2019. Today's Entrepreneur on CJAD. We're going to be talking about HR on the program this evening. And joining us next from Mind HR, Jessica Glaser. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. 720 on CJD 800. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people, Dan Delmar and FL's Josh Miller with you. And this evening, Josh, we're going to talk about human resources, uh, or uh, aka people, <laughs> and uh, the people that uh, that manage people and uh, people who hire people. And uh, the winner of our contest, our 10th anniversary contest, we put a, a call out there in September uh, following our 10th anniversary slash 200th episode. And we asked people to nominate an entrepreneur who we haven't covered who uh, who we may have missed, and uh, and our guest uh, was nominated, and she ended up winning the contest. Jessica Glazer of Mind HR, welcome back, Jessica. Thank you. 
And, you know, the, the very first question is easiest, but first of all, this is, you're not new to radio, you know, you've been doing this before, so you're going to be a natural tonight. Can Thank just you. Tell. Thank Former you again. Former contributor to Dan Delmar show, by the way. <laughs> yes. There you go. So, uh, a, a veteran here. <laughs> so, a, as we as we start off the program, uh, each time with our entrepreneur, uh, just to so the listener understands, can you describe what is Mind HR? Absolutely. MindHR is a network of independent recruiters that work together to help clients and candidates find what they're looking for. So a recruitment for for those at recruitment agency, effectively. I know you boutique, hate the word. Yes. I know you hate the word agency. Why don't you? Just agency, so people out yeah. there, you know, a boutique recruitment firm. Exactly. So we help the client. It's mostly the clients because the clients are the ones that are paying, but it takes two to tango, as they say. So it's to help the clients find what they're looking for. Now, when did you start MindHR? Been almost fifteen years ago. I started. Now, what were you doing? What was your background before? My background is actually in education, and I was teaching adjudicated and troubled youth. And then from there, I was working at an agency for about a year or so, and then I started my own business. And I say now I'm just teaching troubled adults, <laughs> but not adjudicated. Troubled, troubled <laughs> candidates. There's a, there's a possibility. Uh, were you already in the recruiting field? Like, how long were you in the recruiting field before? Because you, you it was know. actually only a year when I started my firm, but I learned extremely fast. And I hired a mentor in the United States because I didn't really know much about starting business per se. My background was education. I always wanted to own something. But when I left the recruiting firm, I wasn't actually sure what I was going to be doing next. I started to make little bumbo knees and I was like, hey, this is not as rewarding. And I loved recruiting. I loved working with the companies. I loved helping them. I feel like I'm paid social work. Interesting. You said you hired a mentor when, when you first started out. Why did like why did you go that route? Did you you know and and from the U.S. of course? Why not somebody local? Why not family? Like why there and how, one, how did they help? One you never I my cousin makes fun of me because I'm like yeah you never hire family. That's I learned as I when I was 12 years old I was like I'm never gonna work for family. You know I worked for my father maybe doing filing once and I was like that's it I'm never working for family. Um, I didn't want Montreal or Canada because I wanted to stand out and I wanted to be different and I felt like. Canada, and I still feel that sometimes we're a bit behind when it comes to, or they're a bit behind with their recruitment and their strategies. And the United States was a bit on the edge and was different. And they already had people because a lot of, because my recruiters, they, they work from home, which back 10, 15 years ago was, you know, you don't talk about working from home. You're not a virtual. There's no such thing as flex hours. Like now, there isn't that type of stigma against it, where in the United States, it was more acceptable. And I also felt the strategies of the mentor that I brought on, which who I'm still in touch with today, was more in line to how I am. Did they, were they more specialized in the recruitment field or it was really just general business? No, he was in recruitment. He was a re recruiting like quote unquote guru. Right. <laughs> so you have this this network around you. You know, we'll call it your team that, that's around you. How did you find your team? Was it one by one? Did you like? How did you put the feelers out? How did how did that those numbers of 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 network of the people of the well? When go? I started my business, I literally remember the day I sat at my desk or I sat at a desk, and I was like, okay, I have a computer, I have a phone. I need clients, I need candidates, and I cannot be the only recruiter in Montreal sitting by myself. So I started to call clients 
and I started to call recruiters, seeing if they needed help. Because one of my strengths in working in the agency was helping other recruiters fill their positions. So I actually started by trying to help other recruiters, which was hard because they're extremely vicious and tr- they don't trust very easily. Mm-hmm. It's sales. It's, are you going to take my people? So I had to build that type of trust in order to build the network. And then as I was filling their mandates, I was being in touch with my with candidates and I was having a way, I found my own strategies to have, or not strategies, but ways that candidates started to become clients. Still in touch with them today. Actually recently placed two candidates that I was in touch with from the very beginning of my business. So it's really rewarding and that's how I started part of your work is also very personal right what's the what's the personal touch you bring to this versus you know a program that people can put names into a program one you listen especially with AI coming and AI as part of the future and people say the future of recruitment you know you're gonna lose your job the fact of the matter is people can always lose their job and there even are agencies that close I just heard of one that closed last week, but we're have so much business coming in. So I think what makes the difference is the human touch and understanding your clients and your candidates. If you actually, it's just like sales, right? Like if you're actually, which is funny because I always say I hate sales, but if you're actually listening to what people have to say, then you're going to get the job done. If you're going to throw like the spaghetti on the wall to see what sticks, well, that's the agency. And those are the type of recruiters that aren't going to succeed. Like this is a, people business. Like I said in the beginning is that I'm a paid social worker. Like if I went to someone's house and I was a social worker and I didn't care about them, someone can die, someone could be injured. I mean, luckily that's not the state of my business, but it's about adding your human touch and everybody has their own aspect to it. And some people succeed, some people don't. What I found works is really actually caring, which I do. So I don't have to fake it because I don't believe in faking it till you make it. But I actually care. I actually care about the clients and the candidates and making it work. You, you know, you, you mentioned earlier where the recruitment field is rather cutthroat and nobody really nobody really trusts and likes to to help each other out. Yet you've been able to establish that and collaborate within this network. Yes, I've you changed. Do? What did the you world. do? Well, at least at least <laughs> a small part of the world. <laughs> what what did is there anything you did differently? Did you did you actively say, hey, I'm not here to threaten. I'm not here to steal. Like like what did you do differently to help? that collaboration amongst a group of people that typically don't collaborate. I did. I actually, um, I absolutely did not beg anybody. I even said, cause again, back in those days, you, everybody wanted to meet everyone. You had to meet the candidates. You had to meet the clients. I was on the aspect that you don't have to meet them, but if I prove to you without meeting you that I can produce, so I'm not going to waste your time Why don't I do it that way? And I'd say to them, don't tell me who your client is. I don't need to know right now. And tell me the aspects of the job and I'll try and find you the best candidate for it. And if it works, great. And if it doesn't, it doesn't. And I do that still with my clients today. I don't ask for a retainer. I don't need to have the money up front. Use me once, trust me, and then let's work from there. But if you don't trust me, then nothing's going to work anyway. And we'll come to that pricing aspect because that's an interesting part, too, of uh, of your business. Jessica Glazer of Mind HR with us this evening on Today's Entrepreneur. We'll ask her in a few moments uh, what's some interesting tips, perhaps, for uh, finding that perfect employee. That's next.
professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, chartered professional accountants and business advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Welcome back to Today's Entrepreneur, presented by FL Montreal, a program about the entrepreneurial spirit that drives Quebec business. My name is Dan Delmar, along with FL Montreal's Josh Miller. And our guest this evening is the winner of our 10th anniversary contest. We were asking for nominations in September uh, for our 10th anniversary uh, for entrepreneurs who may have missed or overlooked. And uh, and Jessica Glazer's name came up of Mind HR, and she's the winner. So congratulations on that, Jessica. You have a lot of fans out there. <laughs> and uh, let's begin with, um, with this phenomenon of ghosting in HR. Now, uh, is this more and more common that people are just sort of not showing up to their interviews uh, or, or it's just not, failing? It's a yes, it's more common. I think it's a generational um, issue where it's not a millennial issue, but it's more common because confrontation is something that people just want to avoid more and more. So it's not that they don't show up only or that they don't show up to interviews is that they avoid anything that they don't want. So if they're not interested in the job, if they're not interested in a company, instead of saying, yes, uh, you know, thank you very much for the information, but I'm not interested. Maybe we can work together in the future, which would be a professional way to do it. It's like, well, I don't want to confront you because then what do you, what if you're trying to convince, I don't know what they're thinking, but I imagine is what if you're trying to convince me? I don't want to be convinced. I don't want to talk about it. I want to move on. And so that's what I actually tell the team is that if you're not, if someone's not responding, move on. There's nothing you could do about it except for overthinking and overthinking is only going to make yourself crazy. So if you're being ghosted, then, you know, quote unquote, cry about the person that died and move on because we can't get stuck in that moment because you'll be there forever. So then, but then you got to think about your, your clients and you know, are they, is it going to badly reflect on you? You, I guess you have to educate them that this is part of today and you do your best to minimize it, but you can't always avoid it. Companies are very familiar with this generation of individuals that are coming into the market that are in the market they're aware because they're having issues themselves within the with the organization so we can't guarantee anything as you know you can't guarantee anything in life except for death and taxes not everybody pays taxes so in this type of circumstance we can, I can't just like I can't force them to hire someone. I can't force someone to go to an interview. It has to be something that they want to do. And I wouldn't want to force someone to go to an interview. I want them to be somewhere where they'd want to work, just like I'd want the company to hire someone they'd want to hire. So yes, there's absolutely educating the clients. There's educating the the candidates. And even when we are being ghosted, we'll send a quick email that says, "Listen, just let me know if you're interested. Welcome to work with you, and we'd love to work with you in the future, even if this isn't working out." So. It- Education could play a big role in your marketing and your collaborative efforts with your with your network. How much time do you spend on that education and trying to be uniform across the board for your clients? I suppose if I did metrics, I would know that answer, but I don't. Um, my background's education, so I think that I'm constantly um, teaching people. I mean, that's what my sister used to say to me: "Is like, you know, you don't need to be the mother earth." Stop lecturing me! <laughs> like, you're not everybody's mother. I'm like, well, I kind of am. I kind of need to help everybody understand how to do things. So let's so let's go to that marketing end. As you, as part of it is always educating marketing. You've been doing this for 15 years. What? worked for you at the beginning when you, to get your name out there what were you, what were you doing that worked really well I think it's what I do today which is really just being me um I I say I always say I am my name 
So I would never want to tarnish that. So I'm always going to be myself. I'm always going to be honest and I'm always going to be true to myself. So if I don't like something, I'm going to say it. And if I do like it, I'm going to say it. And I think that that's appreciated from the candidate standpoint and from the client standpoint. So the way that I am marketing, like you're not going to see billboards. Like some people say, oh, I've never heard of MindHR. I was like, well, that's great news. That means that A, I've never headhunted you out of the, out of, uh, I've never headhunted you out of your, or any of your people out of your company. And B, I've never needed you. But now we may have an opportunity for you. So now you know who we are. And and what about social media? Have you leveraged social media in the past? Uh, yes, I'm on social media. Um, our My biggest platform would be LinkedIn. I have the most followers there. I used to write every day um, on LinkedIn. And now... Every single day. Every day I wrote on LinkedIn. And I wrote something about recruiting, employment, HR related and had... Well, I still have um, about 30 plus 40,000 followers and they they loved the article. Then one day I decided I wasn't going to write anymore for no apparent reason. I just decided. And then I wrote again and I saw like 500 views, which I still appreciate every single one of those 500, but it's not in the thousands and thousands. But the marketing is really word of mouth. Like a lot of clients that we do receive is because we're working with other clients or other candidates and they refer us. Like a lot of our candidates even do become clients, even though we may not have placed them in the company that they're working at. Also, when it comes to traditional media, you've you've done some marketing there as well. You've been on my old shows. You've been on uh, on Tommy Schnurmacher's old shows as a regular. Uh, what made you, uh, I guess, uh, fit in that sense? And what what advice would you give for people who may want to contribute to media the, the way that you have? Well, I guess you could tell me what made me work in that aspect. <laughs> I could. I'm curious about um, what your answer is. I I really love it. I actually feel that part of my calling is in the media aspect. Like I am on TV. I am in the radio. That is something that I love to do and something that I want to continue doing in the future. I think that my background in education helps to flourish that side that I have. And the idea of always wanting to educate individuals is also part of who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what helps is because it's... I at the end of the day I'm not about the dollar I really am about educating and helping and I think that when we're talking about recruiters and the quote-unquote competition because I don't think I really have competition we're all players but I I think that as long as you're true to yourself that's what makes it and if you're not going to be comfortable on air you're not going to be comfortable in front of a client then it's all of it's not for you speaking of the dollars uh, just before we kind of get, you know, we'll go to your one piece of advice. We'll come talk to Natalie in a moment. Uh, you, did you keep, have you kept the same pricing structure over the years? You know, it's very typical in, in the recruitment field. It's a percentage of, uh, you know, you run your own place. So you could decide what percentage for any <laughs> given level, uh, what, what worked for you in the past and what have you changed that you, that you felt kind of works better for you now? So I have, we have, cha- or I have changed the structure. So it used to be one percentage for all mandates. And now what I've done is regardless kinda- of levels. Regardless of levels. And there was one accounting firm that was one of the big fours. I didn't want to work with them. I charged them an arm and a leg. I didn't want to work with them. They accepted it anyway. I ended up placing someone. I was like, oh, great. All around, I suppose. But really what I do is I have a tier. And I don't work with companies that I wouldn't want to work at with myself. And the tier is junior, mid, executive level and United States. And then we also work at an international level. And then those are specific fees. And then the guarantee is also depending on the level that they're the, the level of the career that we're placing. And I just felt that that makes sense for everybody, because why would someone pay 18% for a junior? It doesn't make sense. So the tier makes sense for us. And it makes sense for them. And I also 
you know, it just makes sense. And it certainly works in the marketplace. And notwithstanding the non-competition that you have, you still got to be aware of everybody around you. Well, I always say I'm not the highest and I'm not the lowest. I, and I always want to be fair. Excellent. Thank you so much, Jessica. Uh, I, I know that we, uh, we, you know, we're going to stay on the topic of recruitment because there's lots of do's and don'ts that employers, you know, they, they should do, should ask questions. How do you deal with candidates? Uh, what should you do? And we're going to come back with that uh, in a moment. Dan? Yeah, I'll be joined by Natalie Perkhart, HR advisor at FL, her first appearance on the program. And she'll be talking about those recruiting challenges in a moment, as well as Jessica's one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur. That's next. For professional advice with a personal touch, consult F.L. Fuller Landau, Chartered Professional Accountants and Business Advisors. Click on flmontreal.com. Inspiring stories from outstanding business people. Dan Delmar and FL Montreal's Josh Miller with you for today's Entrepreneur. And this evening, we're chatting with Jessica Glazer of Mind HR. Her one piece of advice for today's Entrepreneur is on the way. Uh, but first, we introduce Natalie Perkhart to the program. She's an HR advisor with FL. Welcome to the show, Natalie. Thank you, Dan. So we're going to talk about recruiting challenges, Josh, on the show today. And, uh, well, we have been, and uh, we're going to end on, on that. And uh, the technical side now with Natalie. And um, and how how do people sort of interview uh, interview candidates these days? Is it happening mostly in person, you think? Or is it is it a combination of online and in person? No, I, I think it's both. But I think even before it gets to that point, uh, you know, we're, we're, we're in a market where it's tough to find good talent. We're in a market where there is a shortage of talent and the employers really have to be aware of that. I, you know, there's days, there, there were times where, you know, it was like shooting fish in a barrel, you know, to find the right candidates and, and now not. So that poses a lot of challenges for entrepreneurs. There, the market has just shrunk quite a bit. So Natalie, I, I guess I, I turn to you and say, you know, with, with the shortage of candidates, it's got to, got to rely a little bit on some candidate experience, some, you know, what their experience is with the employer. What are some of the challenges that, that you're seeing that entrepreneurs and employers need to be aware of today? Okay, well, uh, there's definitely a lot of competition in the market. Um, um, candidates have a lot of choice right now. So um, as an employer, you need to think about the candidate experience and just really making that candidate feel comfortable, um, making them believe this is the right opportunity for them. And what I really think is part of that candidate experience is believing in your organization, making sure that your organization is backing um, the right values, the right perks that people are looking for. So it's about research and figuring out how do we stay competitive? How do we stay to market with uh, what this generation of workers is looking for? Um, then it's a matter of also you know, selecting your candidate accordingly. You look at the position. Where's this position going to be in a few years? Uh, that's going to make a change in terms of do you want somebody that wants to stay in the same position, somebody that's looking for growth? So you really have to select uh, the right person for the right position. And I guess you, you also have to be aware of the environment. I mean, the, they're looking for the right job, but the candidates also, again, looking for that right employment experience. Mm -hmm. So that's that goes beyond the interview. I guess the, the employer... Uh, there are other areas that that you should be mindful of that to show what that full experience is, mm -hmm. not just that one on one interview. Right, absolutely. And one of the questions that I really like to ask candidates when I do have them face to face in the interview is, "Paint me a picture of what's your ideal working environment. Uh, 
um, when you come into work on the first day or, you know, in the middle of your career, what are you expecting? How do you want people to react to you? How do you want your, you know, your supervisors to coach you? How do you want your peers to react with you? What kind of work do you want to do? Um, and they kind of paint me a picture of what's ideal to them. And then that gives me an idea of what do I have on the table and will it match? Can we make it match? Is it worth making it match? Um, and, you know, sometimes it's not the right fit and you can assess that and that's okay. Uh, but you still go through the process and you still provide an excellent candidate experience because you never know down the line. You know, maybe the candidate's not a right fit today for position X, but in the future they might be a great fit for position Y or, you know, you might pass them off to a mandate of a client. Uh, you never know. So it's always very important to maintain that relationship. Jessica, have you noticed if the job seekers are becoming more discerning these days versus maybe even 10 years ago? I think they've always been a bit um, apprehensive to just jump on board to anything. Um, they're definitely, it is actually more of a candidate market than it is the client market. So the competitive, for, it's very competitive for them for sure. Um, and they're, they definitely have more variety as to what they can choose and what they want to pick and where they want to go. But how they decide has changed as well. Now there's 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 probably you know we we can learn a lot from people's successes and what you do, but you know we learn a lot from people's failures. What are maybe some of the mistakes, uh, Natalie, that you you've seen, or or that employers really shouldn't fall into that trap? Uh, you know, some stuff they just shouldn't do during these these candidate experiences during these interviews. Um, well, I say one of the mistakes that I see a lot is a rushed interview. Um, so often you'll see this with managers when they're going to make the decision right away. Okay, it's not a fit. And I guess the logic behind that is I'm not wasting their time. I'm not wasting, you know, my HR person's time and I'm not wasting my own time, um, which I guess is a logical way of thinking about it. But if you don't go through with that experience, you know, the candidate took the time of the day to come meet you. Uh, they prepared themselves and maybe were nervous, um, even if they were not the right fit, you still have to provide that full interview process, that full experience, the full follow-up, so that at the end of the day, you know, you're, you're maintaining that relationship, even if it's not a placement or even if it's not somebody that's going to come work at the company because you never know about the future. I, I tell you, you know, I've, I've sat in many interviews before, and sometimes you really only get to know the person in that second 20 minutes and not necessarily the first mm -hmm. 20 minutes. So sometimes it is worth, yes, you can have a gut feeling and, and stop, mm -hmm. but sometimes it's really worth just kind of sticking it out to see if it's really worth it. Mm -hmm. I would also say um, for on a recruiter side and uh, on an organization side, the lack of follow-up and the lack of communication, uh, not being clear about expectations. Sometimes we don't have an answer right away for a candidate. They'll follow up with you. If I get a thank you after an interview, I always respond. I never neglect to respond those kind of emails because I say it as a sign of courtesy and respect. Um, if I can't get back to a candidate within the time frame that I gave them, I will get back to them just to say, I don't really have an answer. I don't have an update, um, but I haven't forgotten about you. And it was a pleasure meeting with you, speaking with you, and I'll get back to you as soon as possible. Now, that's after you actually have the interview. What about if you're just placing an ad and there's 50 people that apply, but you don't necessarily want all? Do you have to get back to all those 50 or 100 people, or do you kind of have a different approach? Well, I think at the moment that you call somebody, so when you're you're selecting, you're speaking, and you're, you're taking somebody's time, you have to be clear about how is this process going to go. So when I call somebody for a phone interview and I'm going to be calling 25 people, uh, I'm going to let them know if I call you back, it's because we're going to proceed into the next process. Unfortunately, I won't be able to call back anyone 
every single person that I'm calling, but I appreciate your time and I thank you for talking to me and do not hesitate to reach out to me in the future. Excellent. You know, there's, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of other areas that, uh, you know, part of the recruitment process. And I'm sure you've seen a few gaffes in your, in your lifetime, Jessica, uh, uh, you know, some crazy questions or some crazy candidates. Uh, but, uh, but we'll save that for another program. <laughs> so as we approach the, the last moment, uh, of, of the program as, as we do each week and, and this being the first one of 2019, we'll ask you, Jessica Glazer of Mind HR, what would be your one piece of advice for today's entrepreneur? So as you're getting to know me, thinking of one was really hard, but I think you I can say two. That. It's okay. <laughs> no, no, I narrowed it down, but I think it's um, as an entrepreneur, you need to know what you can afford, and that doesn't just mean financially, but that means ethically, emotionally, physically, and you really have to be the person that believes not only in yourself, but not the one that thinks why me, but it's really the entrepreneur that thinks why not me. Excellent. You know, the, the kind of I read between the lines a little, a little bit and as we spoke kind of uh, outside and off air, it's also it comes back to a similar thing that we've heard before, Dan. And as you're saying, know yourself, know what you're able to do, know what you can't do and engage the right team around you. And I think that's something that uh, every entrepreneur always needs to know. Jessica Glazer of Mind HR, thanks so much for stopping by tonight. Thank you. Thanks to Natalie Puckhart as well, HR advisor at FL. Great job, Natalie, for the first time on today's Entrepreneur. And Josh, see you back here next Monday night at 7 p.m. Yep, we I'm have... excited. I could shop for office furniture all day long. It's my favorite thing to do. So we're ta- talking with the people from New Look Office Solutions. It is. Uh, what a great story and what a personable, lively guy. All right. And uh, don't forget to check out all uh, the whole decade worth of shows at flmontreal.com. Click on the community section there, and we'll see you back here next Monday night.